Pratik. So excited to have you as a guest on the International Voice. Before I begin this episode, as always, I'm going to share more about my guest, Pratik. He graduated with his bachelor's in computer science from Manipal Institute of Technology in India. And during his time at Manipal Institute of Technology, he was also selected as one of the, one of the members uh, to attend the Google Summer of Code. Uh, right after his graduation, he has had some uh, startup experience. And then he worked at Cisco Systems and Nokia. Then he made the move to the United States and to pursue his master's in computer science from Virginia Tech. So we share that Turkey culture. Um, and right uh, during his uh, summer at Virginia Tech, he uh, interned at MathWorks. And right after graduation, he has been working at Microsoft for two years as a software engineer. Is there anything else that you would like to add, uh, Pratik? Hey, Jagmeet, thanks for the nice and kind uh, introduction. I think you summarized it the best way. And uh, I'm really happy to be here and you're doing this great initiative and I'm happy to be part of it just to share my experiences. Appreciate it, Pratik. Thanks a lot for coming on and taking up some time. Um, I, I hope it would be really beneficial for all the international students who are trying to seek answers uh, from tech leaders and people who are in the North American tech industry, uh, especially since it's a recruiting season. So it's very important to actually get insights of how you really prepared and how they should really follow your lines and make their own path, right? Um, let's let's go back in time and let's talk about how was your tech inclination? How did you grow up in India? And how was your time at Manipal Institute of Technology? Uh, sure, like, I think there's a lot in there, so I'll just skim through it very quickly. Uh, like, my interest in tech actually started very early on. Like, uh, uh, when I was in class six, my father got the computer on a loan because my sister was doing her 11th and 12th. They needed a computer to understand the C, C++, what, what they're teaching. So I got an opportunity to work on a computer there and I kind of hooked on to that. Like that became my pastime. I did everything I could find in computers. Like obviously it started with gaming. That became the foundation. I wanted to play games on computers. Later it became, okay, how do these games work? How does this Windows work? Okay, what else can I do? So I did everything. I did like 3D modeling. I did flash animations. I did web dev and even some amount of I tried my hand with programming to create my own games. Didn't work out so well, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that provided me a very strong incentive to actually see myself as a software engineer. And I'm kind of glad that it did. So that's how I went for my engineering after that, yeah. Interesting. Uh, and I can actually connect those things in a sense because uh, I believe you are the fourth or the fifth guest uh, with a computer science background or a computer engineering background who uh, who got interested into CS or programming via game development or being intrigued about playing games. And uh, so that's that's pretty interesting of how gaming is actually kind of influencing people into coding. And I'm looking forward to the age of AR and VR and how that would influence in terms of research growth in those areas. So that's that's pretty interesting and exciting times to look forward to. Um, what, what about your time at Manipal Institute of Technology? Do you have any stories of how education was like and how it really formed you, or like how it formated the person you are today? Oh yeah, sure. So as you correctly said, like the current times is pretty amazing. Like if you have to learn computer science, I will say coding or the tech industry right now is the best time. 
because he has so many resources available. So back in those days when I joined Manipal, it was a different story. So this was back in the day, like 2008. So that's where I joined for my undergrad. And uh, it was a very nice and refreshing uh, scene for me because I used to be the smartest in computer science person in my class. That used to be the case ever since I got interested in computers all the way up to 12. When I entered Manipal, I saw so many peers around me who were way smarter than me. And the most interesting thing was there were other peers who were who didn't have much of computer experience, but gradually they actually worked their way through and brought it to my level, in fact, above than my level in Manipal. So it actually provided me a better perspective that it doesn't matter where you're starting from. Computer science field is a great equalizer. So if you can, like, if you are doing effort in the right direction, it takes you at later. So one interesting thing is, uh, one of my uh, cousin brothers was actually there in Manipal earlier, and he gave me this kind of like uh, the most important uh, advice which I could get. He said that don't worry about whatever they're teaching you in class, uh, learn and do your own projects and add them to your resume. And I kind of followed that to the team. Uh, so I wasn't that good at studying, so <laughs> I wasn't like the very top in computer science, even though I had such a strong interest in computer science. So academically, I was kind of an average student, but what helped me a lot is I started dabbling into newer technologies. And that helped a lot, like the Linux, we had the Linux uh, user group there, I joined there, I learned the new technology they were using, like anything or everything of computer I could find, I could try to learn it and create a small project out of it. And that helped me in building my resume. And I think that provided a very strong foundation for me to, which helped later in life. Interesting. And uh, like we, we can actually see why all these, uh, I see every day on LinkedIn, somebody posting some sort of a certification that they have completed, whether it's in, um, it's in web development, HTML, CSS, or back and front end, any sort of things. But, the projects are actually what really makes up your resume, how you're utilizing those resources that you have available right now and uh, trying to create a project of your own, trying to solve a problem that's related to the data we are receiving from the COVID-19 cases that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's all about innovation. And it's all about how you use the resources or your tools to solve a particular problem. Oh, so yeah. that's, that's, that's interesting. Um, Tell me more about uh, the Google Summer of Code. What's what's the whole story behind Google Summer of Code? When did you got to know about that? Uh, how did you prepare for that? And how did you got into that? All so it, it's kind of very funny. There was no preparation involved, actually. <laughs> uh, so I knew of Google. So that's the thing I'll say to all the kids in undergrad. But now it's way better. Like you guys and the kids there have are way more informed than I was back in the day. So basically join any tech club, which you have, especially the Linux community tech clubs, or now we have Python, React, or whatever the tech community go for their conferences and uh, other places. So basically in that way, you'll know that things like Google Summer of Code exist. And to be honest, it's not that hard to get into Google Summer of Code. If you're aware that it happens, uh, I don't know if you are uh, familiar with the process of Google Summer of Code, but it's actually 
there are like a hundred open source organizations who actually chart out their projects and say, hey, in this summer, we are putting out these projects and this work which we want it to be done. And you then apply for those individual projects and you can apply for multiple of them. And Google is the one which funds the people, which funds the students. So it's kind of a win-win for the open source organization as well as the students. So that's what I did. Uh, so this was a big step for me uh, that I had no idea of Google Summer of Code. I just came to know of it. A few of my seniors in the college were actually trying for Google Summer of Code for the last two, three years, but no one got through. So this, so that year, 2011, actually, I was like, okay, why not? I'll just go ahead and try. So there wasn't any preparation involved. I just went in there, searched for a few organizations. The key thing was to find something which I liked and it wasn't very popular. So if you go for the most popular organization, it becomes mm -hmm. harder because there's a lot of competition. You go for the ones which are not that popular, but still in your interest. So I did few of the other my um, people, friends from college did. And surprisingly, we had like six or seven Google Summer of Code acceptance from that year. So before that, from Anipal, it was all zero, 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 zero. And suddenly you had six. So it was big in that regard. So uh, I can understand like you applied to the less competitive one and that does make sense. But now you've actually gone through the GSOC process. You've been at GSOC. What about now how could a potential person could actually, potential candidate could actually prepare for it? What would be your key suggestions for it? Uh, yeah, one of the key suggestions I'll say is now that G, uh, GSOC has always been popular. So it, I won't say that it's now more popular than it was earlier. It was popular back then also. Uh, the thing is getting involved with the community you want to work with, the open source project early on. Just go to them, uh, start asking. Yeah, one most important thing, go and say what's your intention is. So I think that's one thing which really helped me is on the day one itself, I introduced myself and I didn't beat around the bush. I said, hey, I like to work on your Google Summer of School project. What you're looking from a candidate, in that sense. So they kind of gave me a list. So you just walk towards that list and most likely they'll pick you up. They're also looking for someone whom they're comfortable working with during that summertime. So it's as simple as that. There's no special key, special sauce involved. It's just you go and talk and if they like you, you're it. Interesting. So just getting involved in the open source community and trying to contribute and add value as much as you can uh, whatever yeah. abilities you have and keep on keep on growing right and keep on building up on your abilities um, so that's interesting now uh, when you graduated from uh, the Manipal Institute of Technology and you started working full-time as a fresh grad how was your experience like that let's let's discuss about any um, important stories that you have uh, whether it was you working at Nokia or Cisco systems or working at startup what what uh, what yeah. things do you still remember or what are the key suggestions that you could still kind of would want the viewers and the international students to really learn from sure uh, so uh, yeah i think the most important thing is so i i didn't i didn't directly join cisco i actually first did a six months internship with cisco so manipal had this that the last semester you can go for an internship so cisco came to our campus and i got through it and just to let people know, even though I had a Google Summer of Code 
in my resume i had a hard time landing jobs during the placement season wow that's that's not something that i would have expected yeah yeah but that's there so that's the what say uh, the nitty gritties of the job finding campus placement is there like i knew i could crack at the interview level but for getting into the interview level i had to complete the long list of uh, written questionnaire exam and i wasn't good at that so because there were so many students they asked you for that uh, you write this uh, logical reasoning and those other kind of questions when you qualify that then you go to the interview stage so i wasn't even able to get to the interview stage at many places so that kind of showcase that you have to be kind of all rounder in these kind of things that uh, getting a job requires multiple kind of talent to so make sure you add up to all of them not focus on just one so yeah that way i got my internship in cisco it was pretty nice uh, i worked through the internship i think it was in java so i i learned java while in internship and then i joined i got the return offer and i joined the same team as a full time employee now the interesting thing which i want to put it to the people that as a newbie you are joining a college for the first time uh some things can happen which are not planned so in my case my mentor who was there as an in my mentor during my internship actually by the time i joined actually became my manager and was it a good manager <laughs> i it took me a while to realize because it was my first job but it things can happen like you don't get to see people in the internship you once you enter the job you see the team then you realize okay why so many people are leaving why things have been the way this is so that is fine so that was there it wasn't a very good experience but i managed to get most out of it it taught me a lot of things that how much it can affect your career the secret answer is minimal mm -hmm. so if you get stuck in a bad job or with a bad manager it's not the end of the road they can't influence anything the anything they can influence is mentally and that's up to you that how much pressure you are taking so yeah that was there so i wanted to get out of cisco because of that i was actually trying to move to other teams but when i was trying there was a hiring freeze so i thought why not i'll just go to a startup so that's how i left cisco and then moved to a startup and primarily reason was the bad manager so pe okay. people leave teams because of bad management and not anything else right and i have heard that a lot of times that managers is actually what really builds the culture and builds the team at any company and like companies all about these subdomains and sub managers who are trying to build up that whole company and it's not about your ceo specifically because you might not even like talk to the ceo ever yeah but um, it's it's pretty interesting like how really that that influences the culture and tries to also attract other new employees to the company or kind of shy oh, yeah. away those those employees from the company the, but yeah, just one thing i would like to add to that so it's not like the entire cisco was bad cisco right was right right few of my other friends joined they enjoyed really good managers and the mm -hmm. very specific team to team it's kind of rolling a dice right it's just a personal experience so interesting what what so it's it's intriguing in that aspect so what would be your suggestion if somebody is actually stuck in that 
because you have gone through that situation where you had a bad manager um how would you what would be your suggestion for a person who is fresh out of college um and um, obviously we all are eager for looking for jobs and we'll just grab any opportunity and hold on to it especially considering what situation we are in right now um mm-hmm. what would be your suggestions for people who are stuck in that situation how do you try what what could be the ways first of all and how could you kind of find your way out sure like, it doesn't uh, mean like out of the you know out of the company but like any 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 suggestions that you have so i'll kind of expand on that i'll say first how to avoid the situation mm-hmm. which is like in any case if a team is bad or a manager is bad it's actually you can say it leaves a trail of evidences so they'll you can easily find someone who like just if say you have offer from a team just see that how many people have stayed in team for some time so if it's a bad manager or a bad team culture or a toxic team culture a lot of people will be leaving so you'll find the current members to be less than 2 years or less than 1 year so that's a big indicator that people are continuously leaving the team so and also try to talk to the people who have been in team earlier so get the idea and now given all that say if you have just one job offer that with bad team i still say okay go ahead and take it it can't be that bad so once you have it uh, just let like understand why your team is toxic it could be manager it could be someone else it could be someone else then through the manager it can be felt that how you can avoid interacting with the person who's the problem character but if your manager is the problem character know that fighting with the manager won't help uh the manager won't help you in any case and basically it's not like you have to come on top of the manager it's, it's like you eventually will have to move to a different team in the cleanest way possible so you basically like maintain normal decorum and everything but start looking for a uh start interviewing start looking for different directions like where you can go and uh i would even say if the things are bad don't be afraid of going to the hr so here's the thing there's a big myth out there that hr works for the company not the people and i feel it's kind of half truth like hr is also there to make sure like their checks and balances within the company so if you say if your manager is bad you're facing some kind of harassment if you go to the hr that can be really helpful if nothing else there'll be a record there like hr is there to maintain records so there'll be an entry there so if the person does it like now you report to the hr you don't report you just inform the hr you, there's a entry mark if the person does that again two months later that's the second time it's getting recorded so that those things add up and definitely affect the marriage so interesting those are those are some so, crucial points that you actually raised yeah and talk to people around the company you will get a lot of support from there but let know it's it's in very rare cases it's that your unless and until the it's a bad very bad uh, harassment kind of thing done by the manager you can't make the manager move out if right. that's how the things been so you have to think how you will be able to move out and never ever get into the verbal argument with your manager or any kind uh, have a keep everything on email and make sure not to burn the bridges you still have to smile and say because you might need a referral later 
So interesting. Yeah, just, just keep keep a normal conversation, keep that relationship going, and kind of find your way if things are not working out. So yeah, there's, uh, and definitely you said that right that it's not end of the world. That's not the only job that you're going to be working throughout your life. You're yeah. going to have so many more opportunities. So now, thanks a lot for sharing that, Pratik. Yeah, thank let's, you. Let's 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 yeah. Do you have uh, anything yeah, else? I, I was just saying, even if even if like say things happen, you burn the bridges. Even if you join a new company and they'll ask your old company or old manager for your uh, references, and the manager fills in a very bad reference, ninety nine percent of the time it won't matter. Because the company references, they look for very strong red flags. Did you harass anybody? Did you steal any from the company? Were you absent for crucial period of time? Did you steal anything? So those, if those things are not there, a bad reference doesn't matter to the new company. Interesting. Uh, let's let's move on things to when you actually came to United States. Uh, yeah. What 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 was the time like? What was uh, what, how were the first few months like? What was the culture shock that you experienced uh, in terms of educational experience or can be just meeting people and just the culture in itself? Oh, sure. Uh, so, uh, uh, so basically, I was planning for my master education for law, uh, even ever since my first job itself. And since it was bad, I had to move out. It kind of delayed the thing. But eventually, I got around to the fact that, okay, let's apply for it. So I, when I applied, uh, and when I applied for my master's, I think I already had four years of work. Eh? So that was there. And uh, I applied to 10 places. I, I kind of applied to a few very popular places, but not so popular places also. I got just one single invite, and that was Virginia. Wow. So, so four years of experience what what, yeah. what what do you think went wrong or well it didn't really went wrong you were at the right place and things happen for i really believe things happen what they are destined to be and you end up at the right place no matter what but what do you think thinking about thinking about it back like that could have you could have actually done to maybe maybe get like more offers from the from the universities so on the hindsight to be honest, it's again rolling a dice kind of a thing. But one thing is there that uh, GRE score, like my GRE score was good, but I think it could have been better. So some of the universities where I applied highly competitive must have, my resume might have been, application might have been filtered out because of the score. That's one thing. Second, the places you're applying. Uh, some of the less popular places that I applied, uh, I didn't, I should have checked that how much international students do they take. So some of the places I applied, they barely take like few percent international students. So that becomes really hard. So you have to keep a balance between very competitive places versus not so competitive places, but how many international students do they accept each year. And uh, apart from that, it's just a matter of writing a really good SOP and really good letter of recommendation. I kind of did a half-hearted job on it because I was doing it with the work and I was kind of, I was so much frustrated by it. I was like, I'll just go with that. And to compare it with, I said, I got like out of 10, I got nine rejection, one from Virginia Tech, which was accept. So the one from Virginia Tech was a pretty good offer. I got like a year long PA scholarship. So basically they're like, you have, don't have to pay any fee. You'll immediately be given one year of PA. And we want you to come and work for computer science 
department there. So that was a very good offer. Yeah, so it, it ended up working out, right? So that's what matters at the end of the day. It doesn't really matter uh, whether you got nine rejects. Nobody's going to look back yeah, at yeah. it time. But that's interesting. Yeah, a few more things which come to my mind is uh, uh, if you're applying for it, apart from these, like pay good attention to your letter of recommendation and uh, don't worry much about a lot about university rankings. University rankings don't matter much. As long as your university and program is within rank 100, it's all the same. Obviously, uh, Harvard would have a difference from any other college, but except for the first three, four, rest are all in the same boat because all the major companies consider them equally. They come for the campus fair, you apply on your own. And uh, yeah, uh, look out for the location. If uh, if it's if your university is near a city, you'll have ten times more opportunities than if your university is in a university town elsewhere. However, your ranks would be lower in a university town. You'll have a better college experience in a university town. So both have their pros and cons. Interesting. That's that's definitely something that a potential student can actually look at in terms of choosing a university and not really being scared of. I didn't get into Stanford or Harvard and then they can't really succeed in America. And that's exactly what I'm trying to really focus on via this platform that failures, it's not all about the successes. It's also about the failures and it's not really those failures. Those are the opportunities that arrive at that point of time and you kind of make good out of it. So mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's interesting. Uh, how talk me through the process of um, maybe finding a research advisor during your time and what could be the things a student would actually look for when he's trying to find a good research advisor? Uh, yeah, actually that's also pretty good. So uh, when the application of Virginia Tech came, along with it came with one of the advisor who was very interested in taking me and I went through his work and everything and it felt really good. So I thought I'll probably go ahead and join him. Uh, my suggestion is do not do that. <laughs> I also didn't end up doing that, but that, that's okay. That's a, I'll cut it short to the fact that uh, when going for an advisor is same as going for a, like whatever I said for the nice team and nice boss, the same goes for the advisor. Like don't just go in there and join an advisor's place. I also did not. I talked to the advisor, then I came back, I started talking to the other people because again, I had experience. So the advisors, like every advisor will have a bunch of students who are working for them, bunch of ex-students and bunch of other information you'll get from the team. So advisors can be split into three categories. The first category is the advisor who really cares about you. That's like, they'll make sure you are doing good, your objectives are getting done. Uh, that's like 10% of the people. Then the next one will be the advisor who gives importance to their research also, but also keep an eye on you, make sure you're doing well. And this on the majority bulk of advisor, like 50 to 60%. And there's the remaining 30% are the advisor who only think about their research and you are a means to an end. You are the resource to be used slash exploited, not using a very strong word to actually get the research done. So don't go for the 30%, go for the 50%. If you can find these 10%, that's even better.
but go for this 10% or these 60%, the rest 30% you don't have to. And you'll get to know, like, as I said, there, there'll be a trail of, trail of evidences. Just ask anyone in the scene how was the experience and they'll let you know. And apart from that, yeah, join advisors. They'll have their paper reading sessions. Those are good. Go for that. Read advisor reviews on the internet. And overall, you'll get the idea. Like, bad advisors are pretty popular in colleges. So you'll know which ones to avoid. Interesting. And uh, you, you've, you've definitely like categorized it for the international students or potential students, grad students, trying to look for an advisor and what really to look for. Uh, so appreciate you going into details of what really is the mentality behind finding the right professor. And it's not all about the end game. Again, the end game, they're going to be, they're going to be tens and hundreds of advisors around Virginia Tech or any university like Virginia Tech. And you can you can definitely be assured that you'll you'll find somebody the right person in your in your sphere or in your focus area. So thanks a lot for sharing that, Pratik. What let, let's let's go into your internship experience at MathWorks. How did the preparation uh, happen for MathWorks? Uh, was that preparation help, helpful for your full-time role at Microsoft when you were looking for full-time jobs? Let's let's go through that of how students should be prepared when they're coming over here for internships and trying to prepare for interviews. Oh, sure. Yeah. So see, the theme will continue to remain the same here also. Like keep on talking to the people who have done the things which you're going to do. So if some of your friends have come for masters and year earlier or PhD, make sure to talk to them or find people you can talk to. So one crucial detail I came to know before coming here is that when as soon as I would join Virginia Tech, within two, one and a half months, there would be a career fair. And I did not know about it. Someone told me before I was going for Virginia Tech that the moment you land in, there's going to be the first career fair, the very important one uh, of the fall semester. So I started preparing for it very early on. So I was doing the lead codes, I was doing the geek for geeks, I was doing the books, the cracking the coding interview, and uh, everything of the similar spot and then yeah i started i had my resume ready the one page resume and then i started applying during the career fair and also on linkedin jobs and indeed and i applied to i think a large number of them i did get a call from the uh, career fair i got a call from google as well as facebook for the interviews things didn't work out sadly <laughs> but they were good uh, at least uh, they call so that's the advice i'll give like get on the overdrive if you're coming for two years masters there's no time to uh relax like so many things are changing around you i think you asked in the last one i didn't answer that so there's a lot of culture shock there like you have to maintain your own self you have to manage in a new world you have to cook your own food and you also have to go for the your school like graduate school is really grueling Apart from all that, you have to also prepare for your studies as well as interviews and keep on applying. So in computer science sense, it's time to be as much multi-threaded as you can be, as much parallelizable, have slots in your days where you go ahead and just apply for company. It doesn't matter if you're not prepared because getting the interview is the most important aspect of going for an internship. And in some sense, I think it's harder than getting a job. Summer internship is probably the hardest 
competitive process for a grad student, in my opinion. So that's what I did. I think I applied for more than 200, 200 positions across 150 companies. I used to maintain a list and uh, used to check them off. Every company would again post new entries, so you have to keep on checking. So, and this process continued for a whole of like three or five months. I got like seven, eight interviews, and from there I got math work. So, yeah, and that really helped. A uh, few of the books I'll say if you want to say, lead code is good, but lead code is kind of like a vast ocean. So say if you're new to computer science, you haven't done any algorithms or programming first, first uh, like please uh, improve the basics because that really helps. There are MIT OCW tutorial or there's courses on Coursera or edX, just read through that, get that thing done. Secondly, get Cracking the Coding Interview or there is even a better book. Like Cracking the Coding Interview is good if like you're starting out but if you have some experience, there's another book called Elements of Programming Interview. Really important. If you just stick with these two books, I think that's good enough because they go for the most popular, most probable, most uh, uh, likely to come and definitive question. So if you solve these books, I don't think so. Any question in lead code would pose a problem to you. Let's also focus on the aspect, like we know that the resources are out there. Mm -hmm. How do we go through those resources? How do we get started with those resources? What would be your step-by-step -step process for um, somebody who's getting started with a cracking the coding interview or elements of programming interviews that you said, or they have, they have a lot of topics, they have a lot of chapters. What would be your uh, thought process of starting off and trying to kind of I believe divide and rule kind of kind of kind of <laughs> objective or how, how would you how would you really uh, advise uh, as advise a student to really conquer a book like that? Uh, yeah, as I said, uh, basics are the first. Get the basics done right correctly. You could also approach it like pick a topic, learn the basics of it, solve the problems of it, then move to a different topic, repeat the same process, and go on. One, would I, one thing I would say is that it's an extreme time-taking process. In master's, you don't have much of time, so optimize it. In my opinion, I think the biggest return on your investment would be actually solving all the easy questions. Don't go for medium, don't go for hard. The moment you do the easy questions, I'm pretty sure you'll be able to, you will be able to start thinking of how the medium questions get asked and hard questions are very rare like they shouldn't even be asked but somehow they get asked sometimes and to be honest hards are subjective so go for just the easy questions there are a lot of them but the easy ones are the hidden secret sauce that there are so many of them that the moment you do it you would have covered like 80 90 percent of what needed to be covered and once you do that keep some time to actually go for the design preparation a lot of these tech companies ask for design interviews. How you design the system? How is, how do you think Instagram is implemented on the back end? Uh, like I was asking Microsoft, how do you, how would you design uh, your easy pass or good to go kind of a uh, pass taking system? So those kinds of things. Design interviews are also very important. And, right. And um, so, Another thing, like I believe like you had a four years of experience before mm -hmm. coming to the United States. Um, 
I would assume that must have helped you in terms of getting interviews as well, right? Because you had some projects, you had some work experience. What would be your suggestion for somebody who's coming out right after undergrad to masters? Because as you said, getting interviews is the biggest battle. And then cracking, um, cracking, cracking the interview is, is the second part, but getting the, getting the interviews is very important. How, what would be your suggestion in terms of actually getting a foot inside the door for somebody who's maybe had one or two years of experience or no experience at all? So, yeah, I think, uh, I think this question, uh, very good you asked this question. I think that's, it requires a different kind of thinking. Uh, from what I've observed is obviously secondhand observation from my friends and people around me. And I still stress the tech interviews, like the tech companies are also the great equalizers. So the thing is, even though I had a four year of experience, I also had a lot of interview preparation experience because I was doing that in India. Uh, uh, in fact, I kind of almost got into Microsoft in India, but before the last round I had like Virginia Tech had confirmed my acceptance. So I kind of bailed out from there and I eventually ended up in Microsoft in the US. So someone who has no experience or who has little experience on it, I'll still say that take up courses in your masters, which do a lot of projects. You need projects in your resume to show. And uh, refer to other people's resume to see how they write their resume. Some things you'll see, okay, this might not be worth writing, but actually it's a very good point. Like in your resume, not everything has has to be tech. Some things can be leadership. Some things can be teamwork related also. So find those things, create one page resume. There are a lot of good resources in, on Reddit and uh, uh, news.ycombinator.com, Hackerdeals, which can tell you how to make those resumes. And to be honest, these companies actually call everybody. Like if, if you are from a, like if you're doing education from as i said within the top 100 universities you have some good projects to show and uh, they'll give you an interview call it's up the only difference is you'll have to clear first their uh, on computer technical round which i think that's where your preparation comes in so i've seen i got a call from google and facebook for certain things my friends who were just fresh out of the college also got an offer like also got a, a chance to interview I mean. and some of them made it through. So as I'm saying, like, it's doesn't matter. Okay. What matters is your preparation. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, I believe we need to wrap up uh, the session since we're <laughs> going over time, but I appreciate the time. Uh, before we wrap up, I really wanted to ask what, what do you think is uh, maybe if you wanted to look back in your time, and see what was maybe that one failure that kind of changed your life and turned you around or maybe made you a better person. If you could look back or any, any story that you could share of any failure that was really integral and you still remember in your life. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. I've made so many failures in my life. So, uh, uh, uh I, I don't know what failure, uh, maybe a time period that's, definitely or turned you around or turned your life around could be something that was there, there isn't much growth there's like a gradual like series of ups and downs i keep on doing failures even to this day uh 
what one thing has helped me i'll still refer to my first job which was very instrumental in building it in a personality it it learned it taught me how to actually work in adverse situations and how not to be scared to voice my opinion in a thought in authority or in anywhere else so which i employ even to this day if i'm like hey you know what i want this project so i'll go and ask my manager i want this project because i think i'm qualified for it and i'm the best fit or give me this much money i deserve this promotion like those kind of things it really helps there so anyone who is newly coming to a job might think okay how can i ask my, to my manager about my promotion so these things help me that it doesn't matter you can ask for it and it's your professional life which you can take it forward sweet uh thank you so much for sharing that uh, pratik and thanks a lot for an amazing session before we um, take off um specifically i always ask my uh, guest what are your ending notes uh, specifically for international students something that you would like to share or something that you would like to advise or suggest uh yeah to the international student i'll say i'll repeat some of the few things that it doesn't matter if you studied computer science earlier or not it doesn't matter whether you did programming as a teenager or not computer science is a big equalizer doesn't matter if you're doing c like c or cs right now if th there you'll get plenty of opportunities in the us universities to actually get into these big companies all you need is a bit of direction and a lot of hard work which everyone else needs so you are at no level lesser than someone else you are at the same footing and i think that's the best thing here appreciate the kind words and appreciate like the the suggestions uh pratik uh thanks a lot for an amazing session and uh, i'll be linking pratik's uh, linkedin in the description box below please reach out to him and uh, have a strike a conversation is an amazing person and would love to help out uh, future international students and just international students themselves to direct them so um appreciate pratik thank you so much thanks thank again you. for your time thank you thank you and yeah i love to see all your messages feel free to reach out to me yeah great thank you thank you